I also made the case for owning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits. I was going to say, although we're walking through Bitcoin bit by bit, but we're going to can that. Got an exciting guest here today, my good friend Tyler, for probably over a year now. How long, how long have we been talking, man? It was, we recorded last time I was in the old office. Yeah. Um, and you were you were uh, not in Texas, so I was not in Texas, and uh, and yeah, and that's when we we rebranded to all this purple stuff, and you were our very first guest. But yeah. before that, uh, it was the summer before that when I started working at Unchained. Mm-hmm. By the way, Tyler Campbell, VP of Concierge here at Unchained. Is that yes, the official sir. term? Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you. No, it's uh, it's been super fun. Lead yeah. the concierge team. We have an awesome team of of onboarders. Yeah. Um, all loving what we do, setting people up with with Bitcoin multisig. Like, literally, it's a it's a dream team and it's a dream job. Honestly, so uh, it's yeah. rewarding on both fronts. But then, of course, to to work with folks like yourself too. Thanks, man. I mean, and the listeners are like, "Why are you congratulating them?" It's kind of been official for a while, but yeah. the last time you were here, you were not VP of Concierge. Yes, I was a technical director of Concierge, and then uh, now VP of our Concierge team, which has been super cool. Um, just yeah, I get to think more about strategy for the concierge team, how we can, you know, do effective onboarding, so we can do efficient onboardings, making sure that our content that we're producing is both educational, timely, um, and gets out there on the appropriate channels. So yeah, yeah it's been a really, really fun time. And you've been a whiz at that, man. See, and then they say Bitcoin can't take you anywhere. <laughs> like, oh, right. you just Bitcoiners, a little magic internet money, you'll never be successful. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing, is like you know this too, you know. Yes, we're a Bitcoin native financial services company and we think about Bitcoin well, orders of magnitude more than <laughs> most uh, companies out there. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not a company that uses business tools, that use you know these software tools. We need to think about sales pipelines and uh, you know customer service uh, tools that, w- that we use for ticketing systems and stuff like you know the Bitcoin aspect of it aside, we are very much so a powerful growing company. And I yeah. think that's kind of like flies under the radar a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when I talk to my friends about it, they're like, I want to know, what do they think I do, right? Yeah. Like, do they think I'm not also working with the same tools they're working with, you know, talking to clients, uh, making sure that things are done the appropriate way. Like right. we're all doing the same thing. We're just doing it with a better money. Um, right, yeah. right. And that's fascinating you bring that up because I think a lot of the... Um, the uh, great decisions that Unchained does here, especially in the Bitcoin space, is like traversing that very thin line between, you know, respecting Bitcoin, but still also building a legitimate business. Right? I think a lot of those decisions are like very on that line. Right? For sure. Like we're not like abandoning. I don't like to use the word pleb, but we're not abandoning Bitcoiners and we're not abandoning Bitcoin principles. But there's also a right and wrong way for a business to navigate if you actually want to be reputable, successful and play, I guess, the fiat rules is what I call them, but there's a better term for that. But. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to be a business that, and th- this rings true for Unchained, um, rings true for all businesses, especially yeah. Bitcoin businesses. But, you know, a foundational part of what we do is securing Bitcoin. We call it generational wealth, right? That's how we, we 
act. That's how we, you know, demonstrate our value to folks. That's, that's what we instill when we work with people. And with that then comes, okay, your average run of the mill Silicon Valley startup. Okay. What is, what does their runway look like? We ask those founders or teams oftentimes, okay, where do you see the team in five years? And they'll immediately either give you a desired exit plan to go, you know, to get bought out or something like that. Right. Um, when we think about where is Unchained in five years, well, to me, that's like, that's table stakes. Where is Unchained in 25 years? Yeah. Right? Like, how can I know that my uh, next of kin are going to have a collaborative custody vault uh, be, you know, like have somebody there for them in terms of uh, Bitcoin knowledge or inheritance products, things like that? Like, our low time preference is coming through so much in everything we do. Absolutely. And I think that does separate us um, a lot of times from companies who are, just as old, even though it was 2016, or older than us, but just have such a different time preference with it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it just brings like, it's this very interesting mix of, yes, we're like a young tech startup company, but at the same time, we are like this oak tree that is expected to be here for generations. Oh, that's great. That should be somewhere on the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Neil Woodfine, if you're listening, uh, I have some marketing ideas. You got that's it, the oak tree. <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, I agree with you 100. percent And I think that's what makes us unique, especially. I mean, last year we saw it a lot. Mm-hmm. Right? A lot of the, um, you know, I'm just gonna call them crypto. I don't care if they claim to be Bitcoin companies. They're, they're crypto companies. They fell apart because, like I said, time preference is really high. Decisions were along that high time preference, and then eventually it just catches up to them. Uh, I had to talk. I had to talk with Drew when Drew sat here, and he was talking about something similar. Like those companies just decided to take that fast-moving decision making that they just couldn't sustain, and it wasn't built as a no single point of failure risk for the for the business. If that makes sense, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, uh, I obviously paraphrase Drew's incredible words, but the the point he was trying to make is is that because we made those hard decisions very early on, right when we decided to put keys in the hands of clients instead of in the hands of owner uh, business, you know, mm-hmm. the business and do these decisions that obviously take a long time to scale. We are actually set up to not have any risk inside the company because there's not one single person that can, you know, move anybody's funds or any client's funds, but also as a business not have to be leveraged or not have to be, you know, in the position so we could get wrecked when the market decides to take a, 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 a you know, a dump. So the oak tree stands tall and back to your analogy. And it's because of earlier decisions we made. I think that's, that's big. Yeah. It's like, you know, the difference between being an oak tree or being, you know, a locust that like feeds on the leaves of the oak mm. tree, right? Like yeah. Alex Mashinsky from Celsius was never a Bitcoiner, yeah. never wanted uh, his clients to secure generational wealth. What he wanted was uh, a yield vehicle that would draw people in so he could, you know, go buy a new boat or something like that. Right. Mm. It just comes at it from very different principles. And that's why, you know, oftentimes it's questions that companies, not even just Unchained, not to make it Unchained focus, but these low time preference Bitcoin companies, um, it's, it's questions like, you know, why do you guys not offer yield or why yeah. X, Y, Z? It's like, well, why, why don't you support other cryptocurrencies? You know, you could get a lot more client demand if you open the door up to uh, Tyler Coin and Jose Coin. And why don't you just try to do that? Well, it's like, listen. We're focused on producing value and we're focused on helping people secure their wealth. Right. So that's our kind of North Star. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And to Drew's point, it's like, you know, that's what matters to me. And that's what kind of invigorates me too as an employee. So, yeah. 
By the way, Tyler Corn would do way better than Jose Corn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I'm not going to test it out. So. <laughs> One day, well, I don't know. Maybe we'll get enough clout that would be worth anything. We'll just buy Bitcoin with it, so it's all good. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a very good point. Now, you said a little while ago, you know, envisioning something that's where where is Unchained in 25 years. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I don't want to make this a dedicated Unchained podcast. We don't have to do that. But I am curious to hear, where do you think Unchained is in 25 years? Oh, man. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, you know, I, I see Unchained as an institution um, becoming synonymous with uh, wealth security. And in 25 years, it's going to be, um, you know, wealth is like Bitcoin will have reached a point where not only is it a household name, um, but it is going to be just embedded into the very fabric of how people save. Mm. Um, savings is going to make a return. We're going to make savings great again because we're mm. going to be working on a sound money. As a t-shirt. Yeah. For, <laughs> or, or, or a red hat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a, so so in 25 years, you know, Bitcoin is going to be embedded into the fabric of savings and how, how individuals and families um, and pension funds and sovereign, uh, you know, sovereign wealth funds think about value. Mm. And so when you position Unchained, uh, when you paint the picture of 25 years from now with Unchained in that picture, we're going to be synonymous with wealth security. Mm. Um, so our client base is going to include nation states. Our client base is going to include uh, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, our client base is going to be vast and expansive, and our team is going to need to be vast and expansive. Um, geographically separated. Um, and we are going to be on the front lines educating individuals on how to best secure their wealth while also learning new Bitcoin tools, whatever Bitcoin tools are being used in 25 years. Uh, there's education, there's financial services, and there's a team of dedicated experts. And that's not going anywhere. Mm, that's going to be big, man. Nation states. I didn't even think about that, bro. You way ahead of game. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they're going to need a way to securely have their own keys and be educated for the most part. Um that's, that's So let's circle on ed- the education mm-hmm. part of that because we were actually talking about that before we got going. Yeah. So that Unchained team will continue its education even 25 years out from now. I think the Unchained team now is the smartest team in the business. And that's no offense to anybody else who thinks this because there's a lot of smart people out there, mm-hmm. a lot of smart. Uh, Bitcoin is not just one business, one team. There's a lot of smart. But a collection of individuals like we have here uh, and, and, and that are passionate about educating on Bitcoin and simplifying Bitcoin, I think is one of the things that I've learned that Unchained that is possible. Because before Unchained, I was thinking like, this stuff is way too technical for anybody to get. Right. Since Unchained, I've everything from the treasure map all the way, yeah. Yep. We, we, go, we have this real basic way. So what do you think we need to do to make sure that we are the foremost educate because you and I can say that all day, but the world needs to say that as well. We can't just be that. What does it take for us to be the number one educators in Bitcoin? Yeah, it's it's going to take um, one consistency. Yeah. So that is, and you know this with, with with content. It's like you know, not half of the game, but a good majority of it is showing up. Right. We got to show up and keep producing content. We got to stay on top of. Uh, fresh content, content that can be made better over time, yeah. right? I don't want to do a educational webinar about um, where to secure your Bitcoin keys once mm. you set up your vault uh, just once. We should be doing that, you know, constantly, maybe once every other quarter. We need to be improving on ourselves too and being a little bit introspective 
And, you know, getting this, this mindset of it needs to be, we need to have an unchained standard of excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I know Parker Lewis has talked about. That's something that we think about a lot with our content and making sure not to lose focus of that while also being consistent. Um, I think that's going to put us in a great position. Um, and then we do have the talent on the team to, whether it's engineering marketing, product marketing, product teams, client services, like, you know, our, our client solutions and sales teams. Like we have people at Unchained that are so uh, incredibly impressive to sit down and talk to. Yeah. And so do other Bitcoin companies. That's great. But I think that, you know, amplifying their voices is also going to be incredibly important um, over the coming years, right? Months to quarters to to years, Um, because there's so much to offer there. And I mean, I, I came to this uh, interview right now, just got done with the concierge onboarding for, uh, you know, a, a client in their 70s later in life, right? Uh, set up two brand new hardware wallets, uh, went over everything, talked about, you know, the analogies we make and, <laughs> and, and we talked about everything. And my my principled, like my, my basically my guiding, uh, what do you can call it? Like a mandate basically is- yeah. You know, I want somebody to leave a phone call with me or the member of the concierge team comfortable and confident in what they just did. Yeah. And if they're not comfortable and confident in that first meeting, that's fine. People have different, you know, like learning tastes and styles. Let's get on another call to make sure you're comfortable and confident. Right. If you're comfortable and confident, then you can kind of put the guard down. You can take in that educational uh, material a whole lot easier because you're not worried about, you know, your your savings being at risk. Yeah. So confidence being in comfort, that's what we're striving for. And sure. yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for this next wave of of uh, educational opportunities, whether that's through video content, uh, YouTube content, being loud on Twitter, on Noster, there's these cool tools yeah. coming into play. So, yeah. uh, you know, making sure not to stay stagnant too. We got to keep our, our wits about us and move fast. I think a big piece of it too, uh, I, I agree with everything you said. I think there's one thing uh, that you might've missed it, but you probably agree with this is uh, being true to Bitcoin. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think the reason we are such good educators is because everybody here is true to Bitcoin. 100%. Those same people that you said that it's a pleasure in this company to sit down and talk to. Um, I promise y'all, this is not an unchanged show podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We Sounds don't have to talk biased. about it. Like, this is yeah. real. Yeah. This, is, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is presented to you by Unchained Capital. Right. All right, now let's actually start the pod. Uh, Neil, you might have to cut the check for the <laughs> advertisement, but nah, um, this is just every day we have these talks yeah. often and it's just a microphone in our face, but this is real deal and it might sound biased, but we welcome you to come down here to Six in Congress mm-hmm. and come check it out for yourself. It, also, it, use Sparrow Wallet. If you want to. Yeah, 100%. Sparrow's great. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bitcoin only. We don't lose focus of Bitcoin. But I think that's where the education, the, what I, the point I was trying to make it, is it very important because, like, I gave the, the Casa example, right? Which is like, mm-hmm. you know, I told this to a, to a client on the phone and I was basically saying, like, um, Casa teaches you how to do Bitcoin their way. Mm-hmm. We teach you how to do Bitcoin the Bitcoin way. Yeah. And then we give you a really cool interface to allow you to interact with that network and do it the right way. Right. right. Because when somebody was explaining, and I've never been a Casa client, but when somebody was explaining to me like their key setup and how it works and how like you got one on the phone and mm-hmm. like if you lose the phone, now you got to get like that key somehow replaced. But you, I was like, wait a minute. Nowhere in the white paper, nowhere in anything that has to do with Bitcoin did it say that your phone will serve as a private key that I'm aware of. Yeah. Besides like a blue wallet with some seed phrases in it. But And I mean like, so the I think a good way to phrase what, what you're getting at there is like, you said it, 
you know, we try our best to onboard you to Bitcoin. Right. You know, we're not onboarding you to Unchained. No, that's the interface you log into and that's great, but we're onboarding you to Bitcoin, right? Whether you are intimidated by it or not, that's our that's where that's where our value add comes in. We're going to put your guard down so you're not intimidated, but we are going to talk about public keys. Yeah. We are going to talk about your wallet configuration file. Right. I know it's a mouthful. We're going to talk about it because these recovery options are important, right? We're going to talk about seed phrases. You know, are you are you nervous to write down 24 words? That's fine. We're going to talk about it still, though, and we're going to have you do it. Like, you know, we're not going to put um, a facade on and say, hey, you know, don't don't worry about writing down seed phrases or don't worry about, um, you know, the these complicated things that might seem scary on the surface because they're not that scary. And when you have a team of experts behind you, your security is going to be ironclad. And that's why we're here. That's why we exist. So we do onboard sure. you to Bitcoin and not Unchained. And I think that's just really, really, really important. It is. And it is for the long run. Because, mm-hmm. you know, at least, you know, base layer Bitcoin, it's not going to change much, if any, at all going forward. Um, maybe to my, So to have that education, to onboard to a financial services situation where you're now actually paying attention to, you know, Bitcoin and doing it the right way. That education that we give you that one hour, that mm-hmm. education that we give you on that phone call will probably serve you for the majority of your wealth unless something major happens on chain base layer that changes something. Yeah. And then we'll be there to show you the new stuff too. Well, <laughs> and, and there's network effects there too, because, you know, you educate somebody who, you know, has kind of an eagerness to learn, right? A yeah. lot of our clients do because they're awesome and they save their wealth in Bitcoin. And then there's network effects to it. Well, you teach somebody, they go teach somebody else who goes and teaches somebody else. And now it's like, yeah. you know, my one talk about seed phrases has reached 10 people because, you know, I explained it really thoroughly to this individual. Yeah. So like always keeping in mind and not if you're just working at Unchained. If you're working at a Bitcoin company, you're talking about Bitcoin, have that in mind too. Don't just put yourself in front of the individual you're talking to. Imagine you're, you're, you're you know, on stage talking to a bunch of people because that, if done right, that's what's going to happen. And that's what we need to have happen if we want a billion people holding private keys. Love it. Love that answer. All right, let's shift away from Unchained. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, good. <laughs> um, single points of failure. Yes. You want to bring that up? It sounded like you were very passionate about that. Yes, we, we disrespect them. Because <laughs> I got some things to say about that, but go ahead. Yeah, single points of failure, uh, not just with your Bitcoin wealth. Right. Single points of failure has, so Phil Geiger brought up this concept of, you know, as I'm sure your listeners, if you've, you know, or also if you're on Bitcoin Twitter, uh, there's this seed oil disrespecting kind of became a, a thing, kind right. of a meme. Um Single point of failure disrespecting is what we do too. And Phil Geiger kind of coined that uh, single point of failure (laughs) disrespecting. And, you know, doing it with Bitcoin, now I see it in other areas of my life and I'm like, wow, you know, single points of failure can be protected against if you're aware of them. And it's not just with Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin multi-sig, no single points of failure if done appropriately and correctly, right? right? You could lose a seed phrase, you're still okay. Uh, You can get your Bitcoin back to a good position. But- other areas of life. And you've noted this, this too, like you've, you've seen this firsthand, you know, your um, grocery store's food supply doesn't have to be a single point of failure. You can shake your rancher's hand Mm -hmm. and you can, you can uh, get local food sources um, through actually establishing relationships with them and not creating a single point of failure when it comes to you and your family's ability to put food on the table Um, with careers. We see right now in 2023, Tech layoffs are happening at a breakneck speed as compared to the past decade or so, right? And 
those individuals at these large tech companies, um, well, are they really proficient at content creation or freelancing or like, do they have um, another skill that they've acquired that ensures that their, you know, Google is not going to be their single point of failure. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. So when it comes to, uh, you know, what you're good at, what's your craft that could help you uh, just ensure that your employer is not going to be a single point of failure. So yeah. there's a lot of ways where I'm just observing in life that it comes up. It's just like, wow, that was a single point of failure for me and something went wrong with this one thing. Yeah. And then it has a domino effect. Um, so I know you, you, we were talking about that before the show. What, what have yeah. you noted with the single points of failure? Um, the big one is where you get your information from, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's, there's the, the, the real researchful backed way of doing things where like you hear something, but then you don't believe it. You kind of just go do your own homework, maybe read some books about it. That's arguably, I think the right way to do things is you, you really exhaust something out before you actually make your final decision on it. My argument with the education front, and I've fallen victim to this too, CEDOs is a good example, is is um, you don't really have, or so you don't think you have the time to do that thorough research. So if there's just somebody remotely that you trust online, mm -hmm. it could be your, it could be you, it could be any, and you're just going to run with it. And you're just going to be like, well, you know what? That's right. And then you read some, and you see some other tweets that are like anecdotal to it, where it's like, let's just beat on seed oils. Oh, it's bad for your mitochondrial and all these like major stuff. And then you're just, that's it. I don't need to read no books. <laughs> I don't need to know nothing about seed oils. Yeah. I just know right now that while my family's enjoying a burger and some fries at a brother that I haven't seen in seven years is get together, I'm going to sit at the corner of the table and starve myself because I read that one educational post on Twitter. And that's yeah. just an easy example of single point of failure. But No, information sources could be a single point of failure. That's yeah. so true. You know, it's like, um, you know, that's why first principles is always a great way to approach uh, any anything new that you might be forming an opinion on. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It can easily become a single point of failure. Um, that's why, like, you know, not to get Bitcoin political, but all the ordinal <laughs> inscription stuff that's happening out there. Nightmare. I'm like, you know what? I don't want XYZ Twitter account to be my go-to resource on this. Right. I kind of have a good idea of what I think, but first and foremost, it's Bitcoin, like Bitcoin transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah. So that's, that makes me feel good. I know there's, you know, it's not, not right scam token or something like that. Um, but I know there's drawbacks. There's, there's pros and cons depending on what you're interested in and what you want to do. Maybe you're bringing more people into Bitcoin through a certain thing that they can do now. But at the same time, maybe you're bloating the blockchain and making certain things harder to do, like downloading, uh, you know, doing the block download while running a node or, um, you know, getting like maybe the market for fees becomes really high. And that's yeah. maybe not not the best use of Bitcoin block space. Right. But those are interesting things to think about. And like having that intellectual battle with yourself is going to be way more productive than reading your favorite Bitcoin Twitter account and thinking that person's right. That's how I'm going to think. I understand. You yeah. know? And there's a, I mean, it's probably like some stoic, probably Marcus Aurelius. I'm sure it's Marcus because that's who I read most often. But mm -hmm. like, there's a, there's a point there and I'm paraphrasing this where he's like, you don't have to have 
uh, a thought on this. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's something we forget. Like we yeah. immediately say, a, yeah. we make a decision. Like that's yes, that's no, that's this, that's that. Right. And it's like you just could let it go for a little while. You don't have to feel a certain way about it. Exactly. And and I don't think we do that enough. We no, that's that. yeah, exactly. It's like what is your thought on the new uh, the new school referendum in Sacramento, California, Jose? Yeah. You're like I don't care or yeah. know or right. whatever. Like I'm at, but now I'm like trying to think of a reason to like, know. Like, yeah, well, yeah I should have like, an answer here. Yeah, it's like new schools. Is that taxpayer money funded? Well, I don't think those taxpayers should pay that. It's like, dude, that is like thousands of miles away. Yeah. You don't, you shouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is, yeah, the the Marcus Aurelius said, you don't have to have a thought about it. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. Also, you can entertain thoughts without subscribing to them, which mm. is a very interesting point too. Very interesting. It's like, you know, the mark of, I don't know who said this, but it's like the mark of an intelligent uh, man is one who can entertain thoughts uh, without, it wasn't subscribe, but entertain thoughts without holding on to them. It's sure. Like, let's weigh this, right? It's kind of like having an intellectual touring test with yourself. Like, you know, what could be the pros? What could be the cons? Steel manning and straw manning certain things. It's like, that's healthy to do. Yeah. Um, helps if you have an intellectual sparring partner to do it with too. Sure. Um, that's why a lot of my friends and I, maybe we agree on some stuff, don't agree on the on, on other stuff. But at the end of the day, like, that's fun. We're going to have a beer about it later anyways. Yeah. Um, For sure. The disagreements are usually the best part. I mean, like, I know yeah. well, my friends at least, it's like, For like sure. man, I love you. We just argued for three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to talk to you tomorrow, right? I learned some stuff, but I still won. And then you kind of just go at it. But yeah, yeah, disagreements yeah. are necessary because if you're in a circle where everybody agrees with each other, then that's probably not the strongest Oh, circle. we know this as Bitcoiners, right? Like, how yeah. many times are you talking to people, friends, family, whoever, like, you know, people randomly trolling me on LinkedIn? Yeah. Like, you know, you have to justify Bitcoin's a use case or why you are into Bitcoin. It's like, you know what? <laughs> like that could be a conversation that goes on for days. Yeah. Um, I'm going to present you with some knowledge on it, maybe some resources you can go to, but at the end of the day, like you're going to get it or you don't. And that's fine. Yeah. But I want to make sure you know that like I'm here as an educational resource when you do get it, because when you do get it, I'm going to be here. I'm not going to say, Hey, I told you, Remember when I told you this and now I'm I'm just going to be unapproachable to you. Yeah. Like, that's what I, I don't want that. Sure. You know? But when does, when do you get personal? Cause I think this is probably a different level for everybody. So when do you get to, I'm paraphrasing everything that I'm saying here, but to Satoshi's point where like, you may not get it and I don't have time to explain it. Um, Has that ever happened where you're just like, look, man, <laughs> enough. Yeah. I, I usually get to that point when I've had a really thorough discussion with somebody okay. about Bitcoin and then we have that discussion, but then there's like these follow-up points on a, maybe not a set cadence, but every now and then it's like an article gets sent to me like, well, this is happening or um, this group of people is using Bitcoin and they're not good people or, you know, whatever. But it's just like constantly trying to FUD Bitcoin. It's like, I don't have time to respond to all these random yeah. pieces of FUD. I'm out here helping uh, somebody secure Bitcoin so their grandchildren can hopefully access it one day. Like, yeah. that's my goal right now. I don't have time to, to worry about, you know, whatever you're trying to send me. Yeah. Um, it's like, you know, and this is basically a, a meme at this point, but it's like, you know, that headline of article is going to be like, internet is like a passing fad. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, maybe there are people out there still fudding the internet, but like, that is, is basically like, we're all like, <laughs> Like commerce, yeah, communication. That's a lot to think about. Value is like <laughs> happening right now, but maybe there's still some people buried in their house that are just like, yeah, 
Internet's not going to do yeah. anything. Eating it, seed oil fresh? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're just buried in seed oil and they're just like, I hate the internet and cars. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. Um, I want to loop back to, like, I don't want to let go of the single point of failure argument, yeah, but yeah. like, I, I, I really think that it's, it's an ownership thing, but where... Another area where single point of failures uh, is you can really fuck yourself is uh, uh, we talked about food and health, but like fitness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you have like you could go to 10 people right now and you could be like, hey, man, how do you work out? Oh, I, you know, I do this and I do that and heavy reps and low reps. And then the other one would be like, oh, I just go heavy the whole time. And the other one is like, oh, I don't do nothing. I just do Tabata. And then, right. So it's like. Those are also like mm-hmm. you can be well versed and not have a single point of failure. Right. So you can be the guy that. Loves to go for runs and work on cardio, but then also lives heavy at the gym, right? And you're more defended to have proper health. But it's so easy to get caught up in one of these fads mm-hmm. and just like stick to it for a very long time and then get wrecked and be like, that's your single point of failure. You thought Tabata's was the way to go and mm-hmm. now you are have no muscle and you're right. just like a bag of just skin. <laughs> right. Or you uh, take, you know, um, I like what keto was like a really big thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do keto and you, you do the keto diet. Yeah. You end up, uh, maybe it doesn't agree with you and your yeah. body because everybody's body is different. They're going to yeah. handle things differently, but keto doesn't do it for you. And then, so you just kind of abandon trying, you know, things to improve your health. Well, maybe keto didn't work for you, but maybe intermittent fasting will, or maybe, uh, maybe it's as simple as calories in calories out and you don't have to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Like there's things that you can keep trying, but if you are so dedicated to one thing and it doesn't work, you know, don't let that uh, be the single thing that, that ruins your attitude towards self-improvement um, when yeah. it comes to yeah. physical fitness. Well, I'm learning that in, in real time. So, uh, and just to kind of fast forward it through it. So a long time ago, not a long time ago, like 2018, I lost 150 pounds. Right. So, wow. Congratulations. I did Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I did that on this system of uh, it's macro, uh, macro counting, but it was literally just a set like 1.5 protein of your body weight, mm-hmm. 0.5 fat. And then um, your carbs will be one gram and then slowly go to 0.75 your body weight, 0.5 your body weight um, for a matter of eight weeks. Awesome. Worked phenomenal. Right. But since I've gotten into, especially here in, in Texas, where, you know, meat and that whole beef movement is, is really prevalent here. Um, I've done animal-based diet pretty much since November to the new year. In the new year, I'm just wrapping up um, 30 days of pure carnivore, right? No bodily changes. Like, I lost like five pounds, mm-hmm. right? One would say, oh, don't worry about the weight. Don't worry about that. Well... I'm learning in real time that I think my body, my personal body, doesn't do well on just a carnivore-based diet. Complete. I'm not saying carbs. I'm just saying the fat, mm-hmm. the, the levels of fat. So under that 0.5 fat per body weight system, I excelled very well, mm-hmm. 150 pounds. Under this high-saturated fat program, which a lot of carnivores will tell you, you don't watch the macros. You just eat meat, work out, and it will play itself out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. Now, I haven't gained weight, but I'm also not shredding any weight. Right. So back to the single point of failure. My single point of failure uh, in in this situation is thinking that what all the other carnivores are saying actually works in my body. Mm -hmm. It's only been 30 days, but it doesn't work in my body. I actually think I need a lower fat diet, which would mean either leaner red meats or just different types of proteins. But every time I bump into a carnivore, 
They're going to tell me that I'm wasting my fucking time with that, those other meats and that I eat nothing but ribeyes and butter sticks. Uh. Yeah. And that's, that's a very easy to solve single point of failure. If you want to call it a, a single point of failure. Right. Yeah. And so I think like, it's important to also, because because you could recognize that about yourself and then maybe, you know, after 30 days is up, you're like, okay, I'm going to try something else that, you know, I don't know if that was a single point of failure. It definitely was a, um, it's understanding that that one thing didn't work for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, you know, you, you want to always be just understanding that there's other ways and that the, just because there's one voice that's telling you something yeah, doesn't mean that it's, that it's necessarily correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's very interesting. The more you keep, and maybe it's just cause we do it every day for people's, you know, for something people deem incredibly serious, like their finances and they should treat their health seriously yeah, as well. Uh, um, take it as serious, man. <laughs> oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's just like, um, you know, if you lose a key and you're just using one, that's your single point of failure. Yeah. Right. And so, um, you know, if you lose sight of something and, you know, you just don't have that motivation to, to help yourself out of that hole, you know, it could be a single point of failure. So it's, yeah. it's just really interesting to think about that. And I've seen it appear in a bunch of different places, uh, maybe over the course of the past, I don't know, even six months or so. It's just like, it's been on my mind. I've seen it happen a lot. Um, well, I call it a single point of failure in the sense that, like, and I should have been more, because mm-hmm. you're right, it's not, a, I could just shift over to something else and go mm-hmm. back to it, so it's not. But the single point of failure came in that from that time that I was actually trying to practice straight carnivore, I missed out on moments that I would never get back. And those are, could be as very basic as just enjoying some ice cream with my kids mm-hmm. or going to a certain place for dinner where I have some friends drinking beer because... I wanted to avoid that. Mm. So the single point of failure is not that I can't pivot, is that I'll never get those moments back. <laughs> right, yeah. Because I stuck to that one thought philosophy that I was just trying, but I want to be that guy that just continues to bring up the point that, yeah, motherfuckers on Twitter ain't always right. <laughs> but, right? And these are respected. No. I say Twitter, and you're probably thinking like, Jose's just following some jackass. No, I, yeah, listen, yeah. I can name these people, and you'll be like, oh, those people are legit. But like, I think they, we, like it's a balanced thing. Mm-hmm. They, as educators, need to do a better job understanding that people are actually taking them serious and they can't be so resolute about the stuff they're saying. They could be educational. Right. Uh, and then on my end, back to where we circled in the beginning of the conversation is, is, well, I need to go get my education somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I need to go do, you know, read some due diligence and see what about the carnivore diet is actually working for people mm-hmm. and that may not be working for me. I'm pretty sure I did it right. I mean, this has been a tough month. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, yeah. A shout out to the carnivores who really do it. Like, Yeah. No, I, it's like, information sources could be maybe like what's the root of the problem with yeah. that it's like the root of the problem is there's like plant-based meat and like there's this red meat is bad type of movement out there that yeah. you know there's actually now uh resources people can read up on where there's a lot of falsified like studies that that you know were were pushing uh this agenda for certain food companies and stuff like that where it's like all of a sudden red meat was bad for your heart. And like, that was kind of like what was pushed in the, yeah. in the main narratives. And so like tackling that fundamental problem would probably be better, a better use of a, these kind of like carnivore influencers time than just like talking about the pure carnivore diet. It's like, yeah. well, how about you just, you know, you, and, and I don't even know these individuals and I'm sure they're great, but it's yeah. just like, I will talk after. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, tackling the larger problem at hand. And maybe that's, you know, there's a, we can, you cross that over to Bitcoin too. It's like, um, you know, what's the, the big structural problem is that there's a lot of, um, to kind of two things in my opinion. One, 
there's not a lot of uh, responsibility and personal responsibility um, kind of being forced on to, to people when it comes to their money. There's yeah. a lot of easy trust handed over to Coinbase. There's lots of easy trust ha- handed over to uh, Kraken. There was a lot, there was a lot of easy trust handed over to FTX, to Celsius. So it's just like the, the personal responsibility. And then two, it's like, you're thinking about at the end of the day, what is the, the structural problem? It's an education gap and it's a lack of personal responsibility. You solve those two things and all of a sudden you you have somebody then as a part of that education gap understand what bitcoin actually is too yeah. it's not you log into your coinbase account you see a number on the screen and you immediately look at the dollar value cuz it went up or down like that's not bitcoin that is that is like somewhat being interested in earning more fiat dollars because of xyz like that's not bitcoin and and actually using bitcoin so yeah. like the education side of it and and that's what we try to tackle it unchained right yeah. it's like hey put out good education it's what uh btc sessions uh there's like open source bitcoin education content that's what i think so awesome about the space by the way yeah you know whether it is twitter or noster or Google, but you know, beware of search mm. results. It might just come up from random crypto influencers. Yeah. But you can get good information if you seek it out. And that is just so important. I just hope that doesn't go away. Uh, yeah. We need to like be amplifying that. But at the same time, I think the harder thing is talking about personal responsibility and instilling that into people. Because it's so easy to go create an account at XYZ Exchange and buy Bitcoin and leave it there. Yeah. Because... You know, it's just like that the personal responsibility isn't there. Maybe that's going to be something that, you know, when when you're when your uh, younger kids are, are older, maybe it's a world they grow up in is like personal responsibility is it's kind of been um, they've just been around it more. And maybe yeah. having a, a father who's a Bitcoiner and I know your wife's really supportive of I, mean, I saw her the other night at, uh, at the Austin Bitcoin Club. Yeah, um, it's just like having that si- sort of upbringing might start to shift the the tide with personal responsibility. Yeah. I hope it does. It's how I would be raising my kids in the future. So, yeah. um, so hopefully that, you know, that starts to change a little bit. But the structural problem, just like the structural problem is with the meat carnivore diet stuff, the tr- structural problem is red meat was painted as bad. With Bitcoin, like key ownership, the structural problem was that, uh, you know, private keys are, are hard and dangerous and there's just no like you you, uh, you sh- like personal responsibility is something you should be wary of because you could lose things and that's scary. Yeah. Well, we protect against single points of failure. Right. Um, and so I don't know. There are parallels to be drawn there. And I know sometimes I do these podcasts, whether it's with you or with Marty or something. We just talk about whatever is coming to mind. Sure, sure. But it's important. It's important to like it is. think about stuff critically. Get back to the root of the issue, whatever you're thinking about, to help you avoid those single points of failure. How do you feel like when when structural problems are identified? Let's just say, mm-hmm. you know, uh, meat, we figured out, you know, we've been lied to forever and all that stuff. But the positioning now of, dare I say, charlatans, of people <laughs> taking advantage of that, right? Because if there is now, you know, money was never in your, uh, you were never able to actually possess money. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually custody money. You were told that red meat is bad for you. Now there's a whole movement of people that are telling you reasons that it is good for you. Mm-hmm. But in between those two things, I see more charlatans than ever spurred up right, right. and, and gar- garner your attention and take your attention and tell you that they're the best. Uh, let's just, the liver king is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's 
whole bunch of people, not necessarily me, never caught my attention, but these whole bunch of people that want to live ancestral. Right? And then <laughs> that, that makes me laugh too, by the way. But yeah, they, they, they want to live ancestral. And then, and but he was in that middle line between like, we found the solution to what the problem was. Now I'm going to get up in here and take your money. Basically, like yeah, a, yeah. a TLDR way, right? Right. So how do you feel? Is that just par for the course or can that be avoided in your I, opinion? I think it can be avoided by healthy skepticism, Okay. right? It's like- um, By the consumer. By the consumer, gotcha. right, on the consumer's end. So healthy skepticism, which goes back to kind of what the, the information sources, right? It's yeah. like healthy skepticism. You hear from Alex Mashinsky's mouth that that uh, the Bitcoin maximalists- mm, You got right? beef for Alex. Huh? Uh, I, it's just like the, <laughs> I can't stand- uh, individuals losing out on their on their hard earned Bitcoin or saved Bitcoin. Which uh, I just put myself in that position. And like if I were, th- I would be just seething with you know like that. It's just it's so, um, man. It's just pernicious. It's just not something that. Um, and I, I think about it probably more often than I should. Yeah. And and about with Sam Bankman Fried too. Sure. Um, it's just like these act, which are the middlemen and kind of what you're we you were just talking about. Yeah. They're they're just there to siphon off value because they're playing on, on people's ability to not think critically and not be healthy skeptics. Yeah. Um, and and other things too, right? I mean, you you outright scam people. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. a lot of people just don't know any better. But like if if you are keeping your Bitcoin on an exchange because you heard that something was too hard or dangerous or scary to set up, you're not being a healthy skeptic about that, then that's kind of the problem as, yeah. as the consumer. That personal responsibility. It's like, hey, okay, that person's saying it's really hard, but how come like these companies exist that can help me or Trezor and Ledger have been around forever. Mm. How come there's these hardware wallet companies and hmm, like it doesn't seem like it's that hard. Maybe I could dip my toes in and experiment. Like you just need to have personal responsibility and a healthy dose of skepticism, right? Like there were still people that when the red meat stuff came out, red meat's bad for you. There was a handful of people that were like, mm, no, <laughs> like yeah. I, I eat red meat a lot and I feel really healthy. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to like default, take that as a little, like I'm skeptical of that. Um, what's the money behind that? Who who paid those authors? You know, you go find out one of those authors is on the board of Frito-Lay. Okay, it makes sense, you know? So it's just like the healthy dose of skepticism, but people have lives, people have work, people have stuff going on. Right. Maybe you might, might just not have time to be the healthy skeptic about everything you, you encounter in life. So right. it's tough, but... You yeah. know, hopefully that's why there's good actors uh, in the space, whether it's in nutrition and health and food, uh, wealth management and wealth security. Like and maybe we just need our voices to be a little bit larger over the long run. But I think we're winning. I think we're gaining, uh, you know, the pendulum is swinging back towards uh, the good actors in the space. Yeah. And the personal responsibility point is is the only way, it's the sovereign way to be. Um, but I also think just, Two things, understanding your value and mm-hmm. understanding that being wrong is just iteration. Like, yeah. and with that personal responsibility, just keep figuring it out what works for you. Like, you know, uh, last, last night I was I was telling you this before we got on, I was in a session with the uh, the chef of Hop Daddy. I'm saying that bad. Hop Daddy. <laughs> Hop Daddy. Are, are they good? Have you been? Uh, I've been there one time. Are yeah. they good? I had a burger. Yeah, it was great. Okay, good. Shout out to them. I'm going to go check it out as well. But the whole gist was is like, and I love it. It was an excellent conversation that I think which is why I'm bringing it up now. I think more people should hear. Mm-hmm. This is not a plug, but go check out Me Mafia's episode with, uh, I believe his name is Matt. Um, but his point was, and this is really helpful, dude. 
really jack guy, really whatever. So the question was posed to him to say, posed to him to say, hey man, how come you're not doing beef tallow for your French fries then, if that's mm-hmm. the case or whatever. Best answer I've ever heard. The summary of the answer, I don't want to butcher his summary was, in my house, I don't use it. You won't find the canola oil anywhere, any oil in my pantry anywhere, right? But he gave a lot of business reasons why it makes sense, financial reasons, mm-hmm. um, supply reasons why it makes sense. He even gave customer feedback reasons why it didn't make sense. This was actually funny. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this because it's pretty funny. Um, you, you're aware, I'm sure, that when tallow gets cold, it kind of just becomes like white and mm-hmm. right. So he actually gave an example where they were testing it and they brought out steaming hot fries to a person. But by the time it got to the person, the tallow had gotten like white and weird over it. Mm. Now, I believe he was trying to go along the lines of it looked like semen was all over the fries. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that, but he, <laughs> that would stop me from eating it. <laughs> but he said it in a much nicer way. It was basically saying, look, the person looked down at the fries and was like, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that. And then, you know, it's just tallow. It's just cold. Person doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like, Get yeah. that weird white right. stuff on my French fries out of here. Right. Um, so he gave a bunch of reasons, but I, I, I really got a lot of value from him saying, hey, man, what people are not understanding is, is, you know, and this is back to personal responsibility, is, is you don't want to miss the experiences of life because of this one philosophy or this one thing that you're sticking on, seed oils, red meat. Listen, while I eat a salad one day, even though I think plants and, or, or vegetables are not good for you, of course, if, if, it, if it involves an experience. What if I'm out hunting with somebody in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere and the only thing we have is just greens and vegetables? Am I going to be the guy that says, hey, I'm not going to make it because I'm not going to eat that. I'm just going to die here for this weird philosophy that I have. Or right. am I just going to eat the vegetables regardless? Same thing with beer. Same thing with alcohol. I don't drink. Personally, I do mm-hmm. not drink. This was his example as well. So uh, anybody who's listening, I correlated with that. I, I'm not a big drinker. I don't think it's ever done anything for me. Uh, and I feel like shit, as most people do when you drink. Mm-hmm. So, But, like, listen, if you and I go out to the bar right now and just kind of hang out after this or whatever, am I going to stop that from hanging out with Tyler and having a fantastic experience? Right. I don't want to. And I, I think that's what people... And I, hopefully in this weird, long conversation that we've been having about this, I want, <laughs> I want people to get that. That, like, yeah. fuck the Twitters, fuck the scientists... Fuck, do your personal responsibility, figure out what works for you, and keep reiterating in life. Mm-hmm. Keep figuring out what's wrong. Carnivore didn't necessarily show me what I thought it was going to show me. Yeah. I'm moving on to the next thing, which is probably just an animal-based diet because I do like animal-based foods anyways. Um, but And that technically, if you're eating grass-fed beef, that's plant-based. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm in this different rabbit hole. So I'm, I'm going back and forth here, but I'm now I'm on the uh, grain-finished, grass-finished rabbit uh, hole. That's wow. an interesting one that I've, you need I've, to have Jevy on the pod. Have you had Jevy? I've had him, but we talked about Sea t- uh, Tiner, which is kind of random. Okay, I mean, okay. I mean he's kind of like the unspoken, um, you know, like spokesperson for Sea uh, Tiner. Yeah, because uh, he's the one that introduced me and gave me a bunch of resources. But uh, I got to have him back for his, what he's doing now with his for his, sure his new Substack and and the meat. Uh, he's our biggest carnivore here. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Primal, primal cut sheet. Primal cut sheet. Yeah. Um, I don't think he used them, but I, I he asked me for a bunch of pictures uh, from some jobs I did, and I sent them his way. But when since I've been in Texas, I thought, and I'm not even shy of saying this or whatever, but I thought um, KNC was grass finished the whole time. I didn't mm. know. That, I didn't know that it wasn't. And there's arguable back and forth points on why it matters and why it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, Does I'm that have not, to do with like flavor profile or nutrition or both? Uh, okay. Flavor is definitely different. Uh, look is different. You won't have the marbling yep. uh, with the grass finish because it's not as fat, obviously. 
Um, but um, there's back and forth arguments. I've I've heard a, a good argument on both sides where uh, nutritionally it's better yeah. for the omega fat splits and stuff like that that the animal's having uh, wow. as opposed to that. And going back, I don't know if this is true. I haven't tested it yet. Um, uh, I'm going to, tomorrow actually, I'm going to pick up an eighth of a grass-finished cow to be able to test my theory on fats, my fat ratio that I'm mm. consuming. Uh, am I just consuming too much fat from a grain finish because I've been eating KNT uh, this whole time? And what happens to my body if I kind of stay carnivore? I'm not going to do just salt water and I'm going to incorporate some other things like raw milk again. Um, is grass finish um, meat leaner, basically, in right. a sense? Uh, because it doesn't have the marbling and it doesn't have all that. So Is is Wagyu a, a shit coin? I think it is, dude. I think it is, too. I think I think Wagyu is a shit, a, a shit coin. Yeah, I think like it's a bottom of the barrel, like fourth page on CoinGecko shit coin. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, but like I used to buy like actual like uh, I don't even know Wagyu is that what you say I used to say Wagyu, but yeah, if I've, yeah, it's well, a shit going. Who cares? Yeah, well, I used to actually like buy like Wagyu tallow because I thought it was like actually doing something. Yeah, wild. and then uh, shout out to Jevy. I was learning through one of his threads yeah. that like has more of uh, some. Again, don't want to trust my information sources. Maybe sure. I should be a healthy skeptic about Sorry, this. Sorry, Jevy, but, we skeptic but, of your info. But, it, but it's just like uh, yeah, it has you know whether it's the smoke point or something that, that ox oxidizes, I don't know the, yeah. the technicals, but like way you fat supposed to be maybe a little bit different um, in the ways that you use it and yeah. in the ways that folks use it. But I think way you use a shit coin. Well, I think, do you have any other reasons why? I think I, I've heard that like how you get the animal to be as big as a way is very interesting and yeah, weird. Like, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's inhumane, but like, I, I think so. it's, it's basically like meat butter. Like it's, it's great. But like, if I want to have a steak, I want to have like a reverse seared rare ribeye, yeah. you know, like a Wagyu great or Wagyu. Sure. But like, is it just like, am I going to be able to cut it with a fork? And it's basically like yeah. fat and meat together to me. It's just like, ah, it'd yeah. give me a, like a stomach ache. Expensive like, wow. as fuck too. And yeah. super expensive. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know what? Why? 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 Is, I don't know. I think that the, the, for the most part, I'm sure there's rarities out there or like uh, uh, outliers, but I think it is like somewhat just really bad for the animal. The way to like to get it, like yeah. they're just like massively obese, like right. to, to get it to be a Wagyu qualified or some shit like that. So. I know. Yeah, there's some interesting things that go like foie gras. You know how that's made? No, what's that? I don't even know what that is. That's like meat butter. That's like, I think that you like force feed uh, geese with grain, like stick a tube down their throat, force feed them grain, and then their their liver just like like breaks basically because they're just being force fed so much grain, and then it like <laughs> gets really fatty, and you scrape the fat off, and that's that's foie gras. Really? <laughs> yeah. Does it taste good though? <laughs> it tastes great. <laughs> Poor geese. It tastes great, but it's like terrible for the animal. So yeah, I don't know how we got. I did not think I would be walking into the studio today to talk about that's foie gras. Though. Yeah. But I, think, I just learned something new. But back to like the way you shit coin. Do you yeah. have a, a segment on talking in bits called uh, "Is this a shit coin or not"? No, that'd be, I have a uh, mind your block, but that should be the new one. Where right? hit me, like okay, uh, you're gonna own the segment right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, leather car seats, shitcoin. Why? For the same reason leather couches are. Oh, okay. <laughs> Too okay. much noise. Yep. Get stuck to them on hot days. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, not getting you any female attention, even though both of us are good in that department. But yeah, I don't think a female is gonna look at you and be like, oh shit, the right. leather seats, <laughs> and just unnecessarily overpriced. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's when they hit you with the uh, was it luxury model. Or exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's luxury because it's leather. It's like first of all, it's probably not real leather. Flat gets leather. way too hot in the the summer. I agree. Yeah, I think leather yeah. cracks. Leather, 
Yeah. yeah. Will Cole uh, taught me that leather seats were a shit coin. Um, 100%. Let's Shout go. <laughs> go ahead. Let's go with. Um, let's, Got me thinking now. Oh, What's man. Let's see. Uh, do you, are you a coffee drinker? My wife is. Maybe. Okay. Uh, cream and coffee. Shit coin. Really? Yeah. No, well, she's going to disagree. She has cream in her coffee, but. You think cream and coffee is a shit coin? Why? You know? <laughs> yeah. I, no, I do too. Okay. Why? Uh, Upset my wife. Go ahead. <laughs> just like. I like black coffee. I think like if you're going to eat, if you're going to drink something, you know, I don't, I'm not a Folgers guy. Yeah. That's why I get a lot of shit thrown at me in the office because I go and get coffee places because I'm, yeah. I'm a millennial. So it's part of, it's like embedded in me that that's what I do. I waste my savings on coffee. <laughs> um, but like I get black coffee because you should be tasting the coffee bean. Why would you dilute that with, with some like, you know, pasteurized milk, like maybe raw milk. Raw milk I'm say, is like a little bit in my coffee. I, I haven't tried that. I would. It's raw, actually really good. I've tried it and I'm not even a coffee guy. Is it a shit coin or not? Raw milk. Not. Not shit coin. That's not awesome. Regular milk, shit coin. Okay. Yeah, not, not, not. I. Uh, this is one of the biggest beefs I've had during this little 30-day stint is that I got rid of raw milk. Okay. Because I wanted to just stick to the carnivore thing or whatever and I miss it. Really? It's like melted vanilla ice cream. It's so creamily really? good. Really? It's amazing. Uh, better for you, better nutritional panel for you, better essential fats. Uh, it's good. Uh, I've, I haven't tasted any yet, but I heard you can make a really bomb raw milk ice cream. Is it easy to like digest? Uh, that depends on the person, I guess. But oh, that's true. It, it that's is true. for me. I, I think it's good. My my uh, my little guy who's nine years old crushes raw milk. Like it's nice. like his favorite fucking thing. Really? Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Um. So I I yeah. So I want to try raw milk ice cream. Uh, but I think as a substitute for. Regular shitty milk, you should go raw milk 100%. Okay. Also, uh, at the HEB, I, I've been picking up uh, this, uh, I think the the farm is called Bunker Hill. I don't know if it's uh, um, anywhere near here, but they got raw milk cheddar cheese. That's really fucking good. Really? Yeah. And it's weird because it's supposed to be, uh, I was talking to Brett from the Meat Mafia about this. Raw milk is supposed to be dicey for you to be able to sell. Yeah. Right? But you can make cheese out of it. But cheese seems to have no rules on it. I, I should, I'm from Wisconsin the cheese state I should know this yeah I'm sure there's hella raw milk by like where I grew up I didn't even think about asking people that when I was you home should. for the holidays have I, you tried raw no oh dude I gotta get I'm you. in the Matt O'Dell camp of calling it just milk no like we got no he calls like, it just milk no cause here's the thing like you go like like fiat consumerist milk and then milk milk is just raw milk that's how we should like normalize it you call it raw milk is just kinda like Oh, it's no, no, just milk. You just drink milk. Sure, but like, how do I point out the other one then? Do I just say like that's just fiat milk? Yeah, fiat milk. Okay, All okay. Right. So that that could be the uh, that could also be the segment like fiat or not. Yeah, is, yeah. It, is it a shit coin? Shit coin would be like something that's really really bad. Oh, if you're listening and you like Tyler's idea, let us know. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's. Yeah, I, yeah. I do. I can't recall anything now, but I have told my wife like I saw something like that's a shit coin. Okay, I is it is it a shit coin or not? Value for value model, not. This show is living proof of it. I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, it's. I was uh, surprised with those numbers you you threw out at Austin Bitcoin. So Club. am I every day. That's cool. Uh, man. Yeah, that's really I, cool. I look down at my phone app. I mean, I use it as my podcast player anyway. So mm-hmm. like I'm in it. Um, but like, yeah, every time I see something come through, it's just like, yeah, somebody parted with their Bitcoin in order to like. I, I had a dude a few weeks ago that was like, "You're full of shit, and you're just like uh, boosting yourself up." I think he's what he said. Like, this whole show is about you talking about yourself. It's not, but like. I was like, man, he paid for that. He deserves to say that if he paid for it. Like, I was okay with it. <laughs> he, he paid for 
Think about it. That's, yeah, yeah like, value. Like, yeah, all right. Now you post on Twitter and you have a chill jump in there and go See, tell you go fuck yourself for free. Oh, that would be kind of an interesting thing to do. Just like, um, what are those sessions where it, is it just called a roast? What? Just what, like, what type of session? Have you ever just, seen like uh, those, M- like maybe it was on MTV or something. You just have a roast to somebody. Well, the roast are usually your friends roasting you. This guy's not my friend. <laughs> That's true. But you do like a public roast. Like, yeah, sure. Pay sats to roast me at sure i'll take your bitcoin yeah dude, like, i thought i would be offended but and i mean i know the truth yeah. obviously that whole episode i was talking about how like bullish i am on bitcoin in america like texas new mm-hmm. hampshire uh missouri's doing all yeah. that stuff so like the episode had nothing to do with jose like zero yeah. but i was like hey man he wanted to pay a thousand stats just to tell me that i'm just self-absorbed and i was like <laughs> i was cool with that man. I was like, like hey, you paid it's your right yeah i gave him shit in the next episode but i also told him like thank you like because I have this thing where my solo ribs where I basically say I appreciate the first time listener and the last time listeners because mm-hmm. those people exist. You hear me, you think I'm a weirdo or you just don't like it, you last time. It could be your first time and you could be here forever. Right? Yeah. It's one of those things. So I appreciate both of those you know, models the, the same exact way, just like I listen to podcasts and it's like that. But in Value for Value Land, people pay for the opinion. Mm. And, and I think in Noster, we're going to start seeing that as well. 100%. Like, I should be able to, if I want to call you a goof, you know, not do so in like it is nowadays, where I could just write you a goof. Yeah. But also be able to say, hey, you're a goof, but I'm paying for the ability to be here and not be a troll, right? Basically, because like I'll stand on it is basically what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. So. It's kind of like a, it's a, if you're going to troll, at least like, you know, do it effectively or at least, you know, like, Pay, pay to play. Pay to play. Pay your pay your yeah, right man, to you, troll. You're gonna come into the club and you're gonna talk shit. That's fine. Yeah. But you got to pay to get in here. You ain't gonna be talking shit from outside. That's for sure. And if you're talking shit outside, I'm not paying attention to you. Right. Anyway, so it's all good. So last one on the shitcoin section. Sure. Uh, shitcoin or not, Super Bowl. It's this Sunday. Uh one one more thing on the value for value thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. think it, it's 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 the last stand that creators have versus the ad revenue model. That's yep. all I'll say on that. I've talked about that a, a gazillion times. Uh, I still refuse to, like, I, I have an embassy suite. I talk about it. I talk about my experience with it. Devices like code cards, I talk about that stuff. But I would never be able to stop my show to be able to explain, to, like, basically show a code card mm-hmm. or show an embassy suite. And I love my code card and I love my embassy suite, but I won't do that. But these companies are also not paying you just to give your experience on it. Right. Rarely do they do it. I'm going to say never. So like value for value has allowed me to be able to connect with my listeners, let them know what my experience is and not have to rely on the company. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if the code card is a piece of shit, it's not. If it's a piece of shit, I can say that freely without having to worry about the check getting pulled. Exactly. Yeah. You're not, you know, that's the last stand. And right. I know Marty, I didn't listen to that episode. I forgot the individual's name. I've been predicting this for over a year, but when music artists get into value for value and I can stream directly to the creator and they get the royalties. Yeah. Music industry is dead, dead, dead. And I'm excited for that because the music industry is a hellhole. Mm-hmm. So it's the publishing industry for authors. If I could listen to a book like an Audible and stream sats, game over publishers, mm-hmm. game over Amazon publishing, you're gone. So very interested in those things. Value for Value did that for the average, the podcasters, those type of guys. Um, and can't wait till I can stream video sets. Like, can I yeah. watch a YouTube video and stream some sets? Like, I know I could do like a get Albi and like send you a boost or some shit or like you mm-hmm. have an on-chain or lightning wall and I could pay. But no, like as I'm watching, can the player stream sets? I, right. I'm, I'm really interested in that. But That'd be sweet. Super Bowl. I think the NFL is a shit, a shit coin. Nice. But, but I think the game is, is always fun. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't like. It's like 
the the byproduct of the game, meaning getting together with folks or yeah. you know having a good time. That's not a shit coin, but the NFL I think is a shit coin. Yeah, and the competition on the field. As a man, like I will never be able to at this age of my life be able to like basically run like a wide receiver or right. you know fucking sack a quarterback or anything like that. So like yeah. to me it's like some of these responsibilities are like a quarterback guy. To be the guy on the field that everybody wants to murder. Mm-hmm. and still have to be like educated and calculated I respect that yeah the same as like a corner like if I'm standing in front of a top tier wide receiver and I'm backpedaling to try to stop this person that is difficult because mm-hmm. this person cannot go straight can go this way can go that way and I have to be really so I'm very impressed with like cornerbacks that can play it well yeah uh, middle linebackers like you know, I, I'm, I say Ray Lewis I was just a big Ray Lewis fan but somebody that can go from the middle of the field to the sideline faster than anybody thinks he can and make that tackle that's just all of that I love in football. It's fascinating. And yeah. even the coach battle, which is a chess game. Right. The the intellectual sparring and the uh, athleticism, Bingo. I'm a huge fan of that. Yeah. But when it comes to um, really just preying off these athletes and, you know, putting them through physical trauma. Yeah. And it's just like the way the NFL is structured. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of that. So I think like, you know, the... Like the shitcoin nature of it is kind of in just the bureaucracy of the NFL and how it's like basically, uh, like it's just a gladiator show we watch e- every Sunday and we get to turn it off and go da- about our daily lives. Well, guys are out there getting concussions and it's not being taken seriously, and so yeah, that aspect of it is is a shitcoin. But uh, yeah, I was asking, <laughs> okay, NFL jerseys. Are you would you wear a jersey? When I was in high school, I thought I was the shit, dude. I had every jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I recently, I only say this because I have a good high school buddy who's just a hilarious guy. He, yeah. He's a Bitcoiner, uh, not as as much as we are. He doesn't think about it every single day. But yeah. I got him on the Bitcoin only train, and he nice. stacks. And he's like, uh, I was like, yeah. So you going to the Packer game because I'm from Wisconsin. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you know, you got like a Packer color on. You got like a jersey. He goes, he looks me dead in the eye and goes. Why would I wear another grown man's name on my back? I'm like, fair. That is the best answer I've heard in yeah, a while. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, cuckish if you think about it. Yeah. I, know, I know. I was like, I was like, damn. Did he just like, wow? He just yeah. kind of put me in my place a little bit. I was asking just really. I'm like, oh, don't you have a jersey? He just like took it super seriously. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, oh, that's fun. Don't assault my masculinity. I was fine with you, man. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, geez, all right. So jerseys are shit coins. Yeah. Yeah, I would say jerseys are shit coins. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, I think to me it was more the culture. Uh, I don't want to put that in quotes. The culture, oh, yeah, yeah. The culture exists uh, for sure. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually a fan of like. You know, uh, Walter Payton was a Chicago Bear. My, yep. my family's uh, partially from Chicago. So yeah. we have a big Walter Payton, like, framed jersey in, uh, in kind of our, like, you know, family room or whatever. It's yep. like a sports room or something. Not our main living room. It's not like you walk yeah. into my parents' house and just Walter Payton jersey. <laughs> but then we have, like, this kind of game room where the kids, the younger uh, crowd hangs out. And, like, that's cool to frame it and stuff. But, like, wearing it. My friend, my, different. my friend put it in perspective for me. He goes, wow. <laughs> yeah, not for me too. I ain't never worn a jersey. I used to wear so many of them, but it's true. I don't, and they're expensive as shit. And I, oh yeah, they're and they're way overpriced. So they're the shit coins. Yeah, they want you to be a, like, they just want you to fanboy over shit. You're right. Right. Your boy's right. Let him know. <laughs> if you listen to it, you're right. Yeah, 100%. I'll have to share the episode with him. Let him know. Oh, speaking uh, of sports, and I love that we're just jumping all over the place. Yeah, um, no, and this yeah. is, I'm sorry if we got off topic. I know we were talking single points of failure. We're talking. No, nah, no, nah, it's all good. I love this. I think these, this is what we do, uh, and, and that's natural. Um, but 
your brother baseball mm-hmm. right that's yes, how sir. you post a few things is he in the yeah. pros how does that go on so he uh yeah that's that's really cool you asked about that uh, my brother played college baseball at the university of illinois yeah um this past year he got uh he signed as a free agent with the san diego padres nice so he um you know went to rookie ball basically yeah. uh last year um in arizona and played for a little bit. And then he had the holidays off, like the Christmas time and stuff. Now he's just recently, so today he's coming back from the Dominican Republic. He Sweet. played down there for about three weeks. Um, him and another guy on the Padres team went down to the Padres facility in the DR and basically spent three weeks down there just playing, um, really improving his Spanish a lot because um, he's a catcher. Yeah. So he uh, all of his pitchers are Spanish, so he needs to go over signs, curveball, fastball, all that stuff, and like go up to the mound and – cover his mouth with his glove and just start talking in Spanish. Sure. Um, that's awesome. So that's been a cool experience from, like he's been telling me all about it. We talk, we're pretty close. We talk uh, every weekend. He'll just give me a ring and we'll just shoot the shit about it. Love that. He's coming to, back to the States and then he's going to be going to Arizona for um, kind of spring training. And then uh, he'll probably end up in single A minor league baseball playing in either California or in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And it's just a grind to get to the major leagues. But to say, you he's called. getting paid to play a game. So I'm like, dude, you're like, give it a try. That's a win. You're young. You're early 20s. Like, go for it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Now, um, is, is the, um, I don't even know how to put it, but like our, like the single A, triple A, are, are those players treated well in the, in, in the, in the MLB um, frame of things? Like treated well, yeah, but it's, um, but like compensated well, no. Probably not. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of those guys tend to have secondary jobs uh, during the season. Maybe they roof or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's not fantastic money by any means. Sure. Um, and that's kind of changing. I know there's some like structural changes within the MLB to make that a little bit better. Yeah. But it's not a replacement for. So my brother did. You know, went to to college. He got his degree. Um, but you know, and we've had very real talks about it. It's like the percentage chance of like him getting to the show, right? Yeah. To getting be a San Diego Padre and you know go play the Texas Rangers or, or the Red Sox. Yeah, that would be cool. It's a hard road to get there. Yeah. So you know he's going to take it really pragmatically. He's going to be like, hey, if I'm if I'm at this for three years and I'm not like advancing really, I might just hang it up and go you know either be a coach or do things that he wants to do. He's interesting. Yeah. Like I don't know if you he was in Austin. He came by the office. I don't know if you were around. Yeah, he's like call meeting him, so two not. inches taller than me. He's super muscular. Man's like made out of rock. Yeah. Um, so he's <laughs> like, he's really into physical fitness. He's really into, you know, uh, eating steaks and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So he has passions in other areas, um, helping other baseball players be the best they could be. Yeah. Um, he's very religious. He's a, he's a um, strong Christian. So he has like his own path going for him, but it's pretty cool. That's Thank amazing. you for asking about that. It's super cool. No, yeah. I mean, I've seen you post about it and it's like, yeah, it's not every day that somebody gets drafted by a team, whether it's to the show or whether it's even the triple A. Like, no, right? it's like, it's super cool. It's uh, And he's a Bitcoiner too. Yeah, he's, sweet. He stacks his yeah, sats. That's and the part he, you were missing there. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> he stacks his sats. He's like, time. I, you know, uh, do you like, you know, I, We'll be open with this. Like I, I help him with his key security. I'm like, hey, what? It's like he's you're the goat. He's just like, hey, you, you, uh, like I forgot my pin. I'm like that's why you have me. Like, yeah, I, right. I, I wrote it down for you because I knew you, your ass would love like, that. Yeah, you know. But but it's slowly teaching him like this responsibility now. Like he takes his Bitcoin very seriously. Yeah, you know, uh, which is interesting, right? Because a lot of people his age, he's 21 years old. Yeah, a lot of people his age would just like you know they go on Cash App and they buy it and they kind of forget about it and so he takes it super seriously. It's yeah. like every time it gets over you know a certain dollar limit on Cash App, he'll move it to his multi sig and he's just like starting to think really the right way about it. Love it, and it's really cool. It's really yeah. Cool. It's because you 
like you were saying earlier, you got him into that entry point, you educated him to the point where now it's important. Mm -hmm. It's not, yeah. It would have never got there if you didn't push it that far. Right. right. And now it's just like, I kind of have him on my side now. I'm talking to my dad about Bitcoin and, you yeah. know, that's been a stronger or a, a more <laughs> difficult education push. But Jake, my, my brother is just kind of like there going, yeah, like, you know, that's why I, I don't sell my Bitcoin. Why would I do that? I'm going to hold on to it. <laughs> no reason to. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So is sports big in your family or is it just your brother that's? Sports is pretty big. Um, my dad played college baseball, nice. um, coached our high school teams growing up. So baseball is kind of like the big focus. Yeah. Um, I played, but was more into school and stuff like that. Sure. Um, and then my sister is into public health. So she nice. yeah, lives up in Wisconsin and uh, also like, I wouldn't call her a Bitcoiner, but she, you know, she, 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 she sort of. Yeah. yeah, she gets it. You know, like default skeptic, yeah. which I appreciate. I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, she's an open dime that I'm sure she just has up <laughs> on her. Like that I gave her for. That's another thing. If you're listening out there, uh, Phil Geiger told me this recently, and I'm going to stick to it. If you're ever thinking about gifting people Bitcoin for their birthdays or holidays, like gift them knowledge about Bitcoin. Don't gift them Bitcoin. I think mm. I'm done doing that. I'm done loading up an open dime or sending people sats. It's like they're not going to appreciate it the way I would until they learn about it. So instead of giving somebody an open dime, I'm going to give them maybe the copy of the Bitcoin standard yeah. or something like that. That's um, a good idea. Yeah. You know, knowledge about Bitcoin, not Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I've gifted people like not an open dime, just send them sets and they probably don't have it right now. It's yeah, exactly. It's just like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. So the, uh, your, your sister being in public health and your brother who's mm -hmm. fitness, do they bash a lot or do they agree on a lot of things or? Yeah. I mean, I would say they, well, uh, I think my sister's very anti-red meat, maybe. I don't know okay. that for a fact. Yeah. She uh, happens to catch this podcast for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, every time I like, because I, I think it's cool, like Bitcoin, like I when I went on TFTC, I'm like, oh, this is super cool. I like yeah. told my family and my sister's like, what? <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, like, you realize that I, I have I have a particular industry and folks that, that are in my world that just aren't in her world. Yeah. Um, but there's like the red meat stuff, you know, and she's like very red meat is bad and thinks, you know, it might be worth it to go vegan. Really? Even though I don't, I don't think she is, but she's like talked about it in the past. Like yeah. it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of things within public health that are such a virtue signal, whether it's yeah. plant-based, vegan, um, it doesn't, it's just like, I don't know. I have my whole thoughts about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, they're they're into public health, fitness, my brother working out all the time. It all stems from my, my mom's a, a FIAD teacher. So my mom's a, a gym teacher. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so she was an elementary school gym teacher. Yeah. So growing up, it was like no video game consoles ever. Video games were not in my house. Really? Yeah, my mom was like, go ride your bike or play outside. Nice. Yeah, which is super cool looking back on it. But at the time, I'm like, oh, my friends have, you know, all the Nintendos and stuff. Like, why can't I play? My mom was like, no, you're not doing that. Um, and now she's, you know, uh, mid-50s, but she like, you know, kettlebell classes and she just is like you know could run a marathon i That's bet badass. yeah she's she is she is badass yeah so we all kind of get it from her even a, my dad a little bit, yeah. That's amazing. Are you going to run a marathon? I'm thinking about doing <laughs> oh, one. Oh, man. No? I think a uh, team member, I think Drake might be doing one. Oh, yeah. I saw him post. Yeah, yeah I have a friend training. that's doing one, uh, too, here in Austin. I don't know. Running uh, is a love-hate relationship. Yeah. I love to do it when I get into it. Um, I think it's kind of, it's it's like challenging. Yeah. I actually do it for the mental challenge. I don't really, I, I don't do it for the physical aspect of it. If I sure. want a good workout in, I'm going to do, um, you know, some resistance training. I'm going to do like things that, you know, 
crank out hundred pushups, yeah. you know, over a number of set number of sets. Like that's my version of getting my heart rate up and exercising. Yeah. Um, the running and like the cardio stuff, that's more just like a, a mental battle, right? Yeah. Cause I listen to like David Goggins and the people Rogan has on. I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Super cool. I love the mental aspect of it. Me like, too. Yeah. I would want to do an, a marathon at some point in my life just to say that I've done one and to mentally like check that box off the list. Yeah. You know, but it's not like I'd really put like a lot of stock into perfecting my form and getting a trainer. And, you know, obviously you want a training regimen before to prepare for it. Yeah. But I wouldn't like do it to hit a certain time or something. It'd more just be like, I conquered that mountain. Yeah. Yeah. No. I feel you. I ran a, a half marathon back without having no running history. So it was in October. I started running in August. And somebody was like, oh, just do a half marathon. It's not that bad. So I did it. Nice. Um, I trained August and September like every day, which is probably a bad idea. I think my legs were like blown. And then I went and I did it. And same thing. Like I didn't want to get no time. I completed it. I was gassed about halfway through. And this is just a half marathon. There's people out here running full marathons. Oh, there's people um, out here running like super marathons. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> I made it to the end and it was very gratifying to make it through the end, even though my form was shit, my time was shit. I felt like shit. I probably, it probably like scared me away from doing it ever again. <laughs> uh, but I did yeah, it. Yeah. And I had no business doing it. There was, a month was not enough time to even train for something like that. Never in your life being able to run. Mm -hmm. I probably still got knee injuries from it. But lately, um, I want to get back into running. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I just do. I think it's one of those things where like, I don't want to suck at it forever. Yeah. It's like that, that is um, with the mental side of it too. It, like I used to approach it as I you know, running, let's say five miles and maybe I'm gassed in the fifth mile or whatever, but like I can do it and I know I can do it. So when I do it at the end of the day, like if I'm putting my body through that stress, then how big of a deal of it is if somebody asked me during the week, can I edit a spreadsheet or something? Yeah. It's like true. it kind of readjusts all of your, what you deem to be burdensome or a problem. It's like, yeah, I was just gassed and my body foot pushing my body to the limit on a run. Um, you know, it kind of puts into perspective all the other things that you're tasked with that week. And I love that aspect of it. For sure. Um, Did you read Coggins' uh, latest book? No. <laughs> I read it. Uh, it just makes me feel like a bitch. Like, legit. <laughs> it's just like this fucking guy. Yeah, like, well, similar example, but like way extreme. Like, yeah. 250 mile run. Yeah, like, the ultra marathon stuff. It's like, yeah. Wow. But then, like, oh, mile 15, my knee gave out and I still pushed another 15 miles. And then, like, he has like this random scene where he's like, um, I started chafing and like literally bleeding from my butt cheeks. Like it was just so, <laughs> yeah. but he just kept grinding. And then like this, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, like by the end of the 250, I was like, how is this man alive? I just don't understand. Yeah. Like It's like, that's somewhat inspiring. But then I'm also just kind of like, huh. <laughs> like, like You got to be like, like a bludgeon for pointing. Like, you just got to love yeah, punishment. Like, I would not want to do that. And I have different goals. And so it's, you know, it's uh, what Sam Parr says this on another podcast I listen to a lot. He goes, uh, it's kind of like, like cornrows, you know, it's like <laughs> cool if other people have them, just not for me. Not for me. Yeah. Right? yeah. That, so ultra marathons, cool if other people have them, just yeah. it's not for me. <laughs> nah, but not like that. Like, I'm sure there's people that ran that 250 that were perfectly fine. This dude like suffered through the whole fucking thing. But yeah. Like you said, like, it also makes me think like, like we're capable of so much more. Totally. Um, Absolutely. But I'm not. I don't know if you can get. Rare people can get to Goggins level. Like it oh, was just it's crazy. It was. It was stupid. Like I'm doing it in injustice. Like we read the book. No, he has I'm, a few different ones. He does like a 140. Then he does like a 250. Um, but like it was like one of these things where like 
um, like doctors telling me that I need to stop, but I'm I, fuck it, I'm gonna go. He was like running like knee on knee, no cartilage in between, like Ugh. for like 250 miles, and I'm that's just like brutal. shit. That just sounds impossible if you think about it. That's just like yeah, that's such a different level of physical or mental commitment where it's like. Crazy, yeah, crazy. Like I, I don't know. So many. Read the book. It's, it's inspirational but painful, um, and it just makes you feel like a bitch. Like, <laughs> like you said, like yeah, you, you need to, you know, just like you want me to do the spreadsheet. Like I'm gonna complain about it, but this guy just fucking ran yeah, with but, like yeah, a but, bare ass. Yeah, people are out here just willingly going through some crazy willingly, torment. Yeah, but I agree with his philosophy. I, I say this a lot. I've said it on the show a few times, and I say this in person a lot. Like there's. You know, people that really do well with like uh, Tony Robbins type, mm -hmm. you know, like you are great and let's go and all that bullshit. Uh, even though Tony Robbins is probably the biggest charlatan of all time. Um, but I'm, I don't respond to that very well. Mm -hmm. But I do respond to the David Goggins way. Like mm -hmm. I want somebody, whether it's a physical trainer or a friend of mine, like you're being a bitch, bro. Like mm -hmm. let's get it, right? Like that motivates me. That gets me locked in. But boy, you could tell me I'm a beautiful human being 150 times and I'm just not going to do anything with yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be like, oh, all right, what is like... It's nothing. It's yeah. like slow burning energy, like maybe not even burned at all because I'm just going to probably be subjective to think that you're probably just fucking me over is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But like if you could literally, like if I see you grinding with me or you could literally be like, look, man, like I know you and you're just being soft right now. I don't know. Maybe it's the man in me, the testosterone in me. It's like, oh, I need yeah. to step it up. Like, And that works for me. People need to find what motivates them, but it definitely isn't the tell people that they're beautiful inside and out thing. That, that shit doesn't work. It, right. They won't do shit about it. What do you think uh, the themes of this overall episode? We co covered a lot of things. Everything, man. I, I was going to ask you one thing about ordinals. I just forgot about it the whole fucking time. So yeah. in, in closing, let's, let's talk about ordinals real quick. Not so much of the in-depth about it, mm -hmm. but... When I came into Bitcoin, it was around when NFTs were really big and like not in Bitcoin, obviously, like in Ethereum. I always had, I think like the first like five episodes of this whole show, I kind of explored this arena. Me and Ben, uh, my co-host at the time, we explored this arena where like, you know, the, the Michael Jordan rookie card, mm -hmm. right? Like that shit is rare, especially if you get a gem mint and there's only oh so many of those. Same mm -hmm. thing with, I don't know if you were familiar with the Pokemon card phase, but um, the holographic Charizard. Mm -hmm. Super rare, super valuable. So when I first got introduced to NFTs, I was like, oh, this is a digital way of getting the Michael Jordan rare rookie card. Now, obviously, we figured out with those blockchains that that's just bullshit because mm -hmm. anybody could just take a picture of it or whatever. Do you think Ordinals returns scarcity to, I guess, memorabilia, oh, I'm trying to say. It really isn't because it's just digital art if you think about it. But do you think it tickles that fancy, though? Like the same people that would buy the the signed Michael Jordan sneakers, mm -hmm. would they be interested in ordinals? Yeah, I, um, my, per my understanding, which I've grokked through a few podcasts and like, you know, like Twitter readings here and there, it's like, I think what we did or what, um, Rod Armour did or whoever came up with the inscriptions and stuff. Just like, and then ordinals and inscriptions are different. Okay, I didn't right? know that. Yeah, which was kind of interesting too. Um, but like, basically, I think we stumbled into a better way to do NFTs than Ethereum, which is hilarious. It's kind of like, ah, <laughs> oh, man, we're pissed that we did it better. So yeah. now it's just like, oh, it bloats the chain and why is this even happening? Like, you know, it's just like, oh, this yeah, sucks. we're so good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, um, you know, 
I, so here's the thing though. Like if, if, if you have, if you can decode an inscription um, and you get to see the image for whatever you inscribed, whatever image text, like the image file you inscribed, mm. you can see the image. And if it's written into a node that, uh, you know, runs taproot or is updated, like technically there'd be a copy of that image on anybody who's running a node, right? So you could go see that image. Now, do you have the private keys to move the, you know, that, that image that's inscribed onto a transaction you have, onto a UTXO you have, I believe that's how it works. Yeah. Like that might tickle people's fancy is like, okay, sure. Yeah. You can like go on eBay and look up pictures of the Michael Jordan rookie card. Sure. But I can move it from point A to point B and you can't. And it was just like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, that is like, that's kind of interesting because now you can all of a sudden like truly self-custody, I think, NFTs in a whole lot different way that you could with Ethereum. Sure. Um, or at least, you know, with, with ETH, it just wasn't put into the minds of people to actually take custody because that's not how <laughs> these people think. Yeah. So I don't know. Like for me, I'm still having that intellectual sparring battle. It's like we stumbled into a better way to do NFTs. It's again, kind of like ultra marathons. Cool if some people do it. I'm probably not going to. Yeah. But like, I think it's, there might be a, like what I think is kind of cool. It's like somebody put on Twitter the other day, like somebody should um, write the tornado cash code into an inscription and just put it on the blockchain, on the Bitcoin blockchain. Kind of interesting. Put the Bitcoin white paper on the, inscribe it. Put, um, you know, the WikiLeaks, inscribe it into the Bitcoin blockchain. So it's there for eternity. Like, you know, fuck central control and the powers that be and the Bitcoin blockchain is the time chain that's there forever. That's kind of like a cool, something people can rally around. Yeah. Um, putting a picture of a monkey onto the Bitcoin blockchain just to bloat the chain and, and take up block space. I don't think that that's productive, but it's a free market and I guess I'm more libertarian than anything. So do what you want. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Like I think for the collectors out there, whether you know you're after that holographic Charizard, you want the Michael Jordan rookie card. I have a LeBron James uh, rookie card. Nice. That I got when I was you know in third grade when he first entered the league. I put it in a sleeve in a case. Then I haven't touched it. Sometimes I still look at it, and I'm like, I haven't gotten it PSA graded, but that thing's a ten mint ten. I know it. And it's like that's cool. And he just broke the scoring record. I'm like, okay, this is sweet. So I'm going to keep on, I'm going to hold on to this. But like, that's not my thing. I'm not a collector like that. Yeah. So I guess, I don't know. I can't appropriately answer that question because I'm not a collector like that. Sure. But I could see the case being made that it's more interesting than NFTs minted on Ethereum. Sure. Um, or the Solana blockchain that's down, you know, a good percentage of the time. So yeah. maybe it's maybe it gets more people interested. What I think is kind of cool is like if you're gonna do inscriptions, I believe the way that it works is you have to actually run a Bitcoin node. So, you know, we're getting this whole group of people who are really into this stuff uh running Bitcoin nodes. That I think is a net positive, more yeah. Bitcoin nodes on the network. So there's that. That's cool. Um yeah, I, I, like I don't know. To me, yeah. I'm still weighing the 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 pros and cons in my mind. I don't really care about the substance of it all, um, but the ordinals. So the inscriptions are like inscribing data to, you know, to the blockchain okay. ordinals though. Ordinals are like a separate thing. Ordinals are basically um, like prescribing a serial number to a SAT. So you could say, Oh, okay. Wouldn't it be cool if you had, if you in your, you know, cold storage wallet, if you had a SAT, that was used in Laszlo's pizza transaction. Like, 
some people might find that valuable. Some people, that's right. Weird. That's weird. See, but I wouldn't. Like, yeah. I don't necessarily care. Or like, after the next having, you know, you have a sat that was in the first block mined after the next having. Some people are thinking that that might be valuable because it's a rare sat because they're all prescribed a serial number. That's interesting to me, but not like I would uh, value it. That's. I mean, I'm just first thought here that that's fucking lame as fuck. I think so too. I think so too. That makes no sense. I think the inscriptions might be slightly interesting. Sure, I was with that. I'm like, not with the. So I, I, I thought the ordinals was the other way. I thought the ordinals was that where we were just talking about the Michael Jordan rookie card and being able to have that image inscribed. Yeah, though, 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 that would be inscriptions. Right. And then the way that I think they tie together is you prescribe an ordinal number to a sat with an inscription like a transaction with an inscription uh, in it. So, so like, you can track it. I don't fucking know. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, hold your own keys. Yeah. Uh, you know. Like, I mean, if I if I hodl the sat of the UTXO, do I need a serial number? I have it from the last halving. Like, I didn't spend it. Am I missing something here? Yeah, like. Right, like, so your example was like, all right, you have a block, uh, a block that was from the previous whatever. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. But I have UTXOs from... The previous halving, right? Like, yeah, and like, they belong to me because yeah. I have the keys. So. Right, and what's more rare than the other one? You know, it's like um, that's weird. And who know. cares about the like? Who's gonna? Who's the authority of verification for the serial number? Like, if I say, hey, check out so, the serial, they're gonna be like, who the fuck cares? I think there are like, like, so we're be it would basically be like a converging on a, a standard of an ordinals of the standard. But if you came out with a competitor to ordinals that you know puts a different serial number on them a different way because they think it's better, then yeah. it's just gonna kind of be like infighting. But so that is like out of the Bitcoin blockchain. Inscriptions are actually writing data to the chain. So the inscriptions might be a little bit more interesting than ordinals. So, yeah. um, inscriptions are like, man, I don't, I don't think that they're necessarily valuable. But that's not to say other people don't. And you know, right, maybe we're just thinking, and and you're not the expert. I understand that, but like maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way. What about in scenarios where, well, that's multi-sig, like, um, like in different avenues, like let's say medical records or. Mm -hmm. Uh, real estate contracts or like is it worthwhile to inscribe the data of the deal of the house that just sold on May maybe that's kind of like uh, yeah because i thought about multi-sig with medical records in a sense that a transaction is not being had with you and the doctor but in a way to protect my medical record the doctor i have to be there with the doctor to open the medical record mm -hmm. with my key our keys have to combine in a multi-sig for him to be able to access my medical record Mm -hmm. And that allows for when I'm away from the hospital or right. not, but for the fucking secretary not to look at my record. Yeah, but, but you don't like, so the thing is like, and I had a tweet about this a while back. I think yeah. like for everybody fascinated with blockchain technology, what they really probably are fascinated with is cryptography because you can do that yeah. same thing with medical records. Without a blockchain, you can just uh, shamir secret your medical record. So it's you have a key, I have a key to it, and we bring both of our keys together and we can see the medical record. There's no blockchain involved. It's just cryptography. Yeah, but in that example, wouldn't you have to trust the blockchain of the hospital? Like the point of it being on the Bitcoin network is, is that like I could assure myself that that's, there's no single point of failure. Well, so right. so like if but you, I, but you can you can apply Shamir secret sharing to yeah. arbitrary data. So it's just like, OK, I have this data file. I broke it up into shares sure. of like of a Shamir. I give one to my doctor. I give one to me. The file only comes together when both of our keys are together. And there's no no blockchain involved. I see. Okay. You know? So the only reason the blockchain would be needed is if I lose my key. 
because you yeah, need a place for it to be stored. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, and I'm yeah. not an expert in Shamir's either. I know enough to be dangerous with it to see the pros and cons when pitted that against. That is pretty badass. Uh, been pitted against uh, multi-sig. Yeah. You know, um, multi-party computation MPC is also out there that's like uh, trying to become in the same class as multi-sig, but multi-sig is just beautiful for so many reasons. Yeah, so. yeah. That's why I've always just been fascinated with like some of the, like I saw those troubles working in an operating room where it's like, Mm-hmm. Look, I mean, not to scare anybody here, but this should be obvious. Like, your information is not private. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. good luck, buddy. They know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, these computer systems. Right. So, I... Well, I meant just in staff, but you're right. Just oh, yeah, being yeah. on a server somewhere. Even tech stacks that these yeah. large, whether it's banks, hospitals, this, like, infrastructure, government infrastructure, it's, like, so old. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, you're, you know, your your dentist is not running Mac OS X that came out last year, I guarantee you. I know. No, he's running Windows 95. When, yeah, Windows uh-huh. 95, <laughs> XP, maybe. Yeah, uh, maybe. May, maybe they had an intern that got him up to Vista, but then it's that, like, that's it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, right, right, yeah. So right. that's, and it, so I guess, like, she'll uh, podcast episode. I don't listen to it all that often um, just because I'm not interested in a lot of what they talk about. And, I'm not necessarily appreciative of the way they cover Bitcoin, but Odd Lots with Joe Eisenthal and Tracy Alloway, yeah. they had this uh, really good episode recently about um, why it's like why uh, companies tech infrastructure is so bad, mm. and referencing the Southwest Airlines computer issues Debacle. that kind of halted flights and stuff like that. And they had Patrick McKenzie on from Stripe, formerly of Stripe, um, brilliant engineer to talk, kind of talk through this. It's so interesting. It's so crazy. Like he talks through why banks have such old computing systems and he talks about like why they're expensive to maintain and expensive to keep up. And then like the big danger is going to be coming down the road when all of a sudden all of your computer engineers who used to know uh, XYZ programming language are retired or dead. And now you have a bunch of people who only know JavaScript and Python and you're like, oh shit, what is this code? Yeah. We don't know how to do this. So there's like a lot of structural interesting things to to think about with that. That's yeah. why like Bitcoin, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Like private keys, XPubs are XPubs. Uh, we have different address types and those are fun to learn about, but man in the coma supposed to be something that we keep at the top of our mind when thinking about Bitcoin development. Like, you know, I want my money secured on a time chain that's, that's going to be working block after block in 25 years, going back to what we were saying earlier. Right. Uh, I don't want my money on a ledger uh, that is not the hardware device, but on a bank ledger yeah. being kept up by software that's like, you know, at the verge of collapse. Yeah. <laughs> so 100%. that's not a reason to Bitcoin. I don't know what else is. It's outside of your own personal biases about <laughs> what is money and what's not money. Yeah. It's like money's already digital. We don't need a, a CBDC. Your money's digital. It's on some server on a bank. But that server, whoever's upkeeping that is like currently in their late 60s. So yeah. Yeah. better figure it out. What a perfect way to go out. This whole system is collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We talked about everything, Tyler. I appreciate you, I know. man. We um, covered a lot. What time is it? It's got to be like. I even know, but. I, I, six. I, is it? Uh, it's 5.52. All right. That doesn't matter anyways. We're here. Time goes by quick. But Tyler. It does. It does. It flies. Appreciate you, man. Uh, I know this won't be the last time, but I always tell people I had such a good time. Please don't make this the last time. Come back again. And I see you all the time anyway. So that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be back on. Maybe we can have like a more focused 
Uh, I, I promise I'll come with like an agenda item. I was just excited to rip with you. I love chatting with you. Jose, yeah, so. nah, I mean, we got a lot, a lot of Unchained in there. That's a lot. It was in the beginning of the conversation yeah, before yeah. we weren't spiraling. Exactly. Uh, but I think these are the better conversations. Like I, after like 60 episodes, I was like, I'm st- I'm done scripting. Yeah. Like I just, I'll talk to you before the show. We'll figure it out. The best ones happen like this. The worst ones are just the worst ones. I just can't do anything about that. So. <laughs> well, hopefully this is one of the best ones. This is one of the better ones yeah. for sure. Appreciate you, sir. Do you want to let the listeners know where to follow you or anything like that? Um, yeah. On Twitter, at clockwork underscore prior. On Twitter, um, unchained.com slash concierge. You want to get in touch with me or one of my teammates to learn more about what Jose and I were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Also, just hanging out uh, downtown Austin uh, near the Bitcoin Commons and the Unchained offices. So. For sure, we're gonna have to go to. Uh, I'm gonna butcher it again. Hop Daddy, Hop Daddy. We're gonna have to take a visit. <laughs> yeah, go over to Hop Daddy, get some Hop burgers. <laughs> if they listen to this, they gonna be like, "Fuck that guy." But <laughs> uh, either way, man, appreciate cool. you. I appreciate y'all. You know where to find us. Valley for Valley is the way. That's how you can be like that troll guy and let me know I suck. And that's how you can also tell me you love the show. Either way, we value your support. That's how the show stays afloat. Every single sack goes back to the show. Five percent goes to Zeus Open uh, Open Development Fund for Zeus Wallet. Five percent goes to OpenSats and all the projects that they got. So you are not only supporting Talking in Bits, you are supporting the developers out there that allow these conversations to even take place. Um, check us out on any any Value for Value podcast and 2.0 supported apps. There's browser ones, Fountain on the Phone, Breeze, all that good stuff. Bitcoin TV is where I want you to catch this content. You can check us out on YouTube, but Bitcoin TV is the Bitcoin standard of video. So go check us out over there. And like I said, we are available on all the legacy outlets, Spotify, Apple, all that. But let's uh, let's work on this Bitcoin community and let's get away from the legacy stuff and all those algorithms. Amen. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Catch y'all next week. Later.